Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Mama told me son, go and play in the yard. Papa said, go and play, you gotta break your stomach, go and scream real hard. Go play in the yard. Go play in the yard. You gotta burn your stomach. And welcome to Inside the Yard, Brett Hollander and Jeff Arnold as the Orioles season in 2020 winds down before they start their final series of this season in Buffalo against the Blue Jays. We have a couple of great guests to end our last few regular season episodes of Inside the Yard, and we have our insider segment coming up with Melanie Newman. But first, Jeff Arnold will talk to the Orioles farm director in Matt Blood, and I think this interview is riveting. Yes, we talk about Adley Rutschman and some of the key prospects nearing the big leagues, but I think there's a bigger thing involved here, and you could tell nothing is getting past Matt Blood and how he tries to develop Orioles players. Yeah, and it's not been an easy year to try and develop Orioles players because you haven't had real games, and those provide such a a measuring stick. But he discusses how they got the alternate site to do what it is that they were needing to do, ways in which they have developed players, not only at the alternate site, but outside in what is a year where you haven't had everyone be able to get together. Remember, you only had so many spots that you could fill at the alternate site, some that you needed for players that can contribute to the major league team right now. But I thought it was really interesting him going through the different pillars and the book club and the different skills they're trying to give all of their players and their overall outlook on how they want things to work from a player development perspective and hopes that it will be an apparatus that will allow the Orioles to be competing year in and year out. Yeah, I have more to say on that on the backside of the uh, conversation with Melanie, but let's get to it. Orioles Farm Director, Matt Blood. Special guest with us right now on Inside the Yard. He is the Baltimore Orioles Farm Director with an unprecedented task here in 2020. Matt Blood is with us. Matt, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, guys. Well, let's start with... As, as we conclude the alternate site in Bowie, your, your assessment of the work done by the organization, and you know, I guess they say the proof is in the pudding. We have seen Keegan Aiken, Dean Kramer, and Ryan Mountcastle come up and do wonderful things in the big leagues. We've seen guys get better down there, like Mullins and DJ Stewart, and come back ready to go. Is that kind of a validation for the work you and your team have done down there? It's really nice to see. You know, it doesn't hurt for sure. I mean, I. I think for me, the the validation, if you want to call it that, is just the work that I saw on a daily basis from the staff uh, and from the players. There's a lot of uh, good, positive energy 
the players were being challenged every day. Uh, a lot of um, different techniques were used, and and I I felt like the players were getting better, you know, on a daily basis, and and that was uh, that was ultimately the goal. It's tougher when it's not actual minor league games. You're playing against a team in a different jersey, but how do you think that what you were able to do best simulated game-like atmospheres and got these guys as much work as possible considering there is no minor league season? That is the challenge. You know, not playing other teams, not being able to play real games, that is the challenge. And we had to do our best to try and create environments, trying to create competitions and, and situations to up that level of competition. But that is it. You know, you can't, you can't simulate games. You can only simulate games to a certain point. Matt, is it possible to kind of quantify time lost uh, for the players that weren't invited or even for the ones that were invited? In other words, whether you want to look at it for D.L. Hall and Grayson Rodriguez next year, how many innings could they pitch? How, how big of a step backwards is it for, from that vantage point? And is that stuff already being calculated by you guys as you prepare and look forward for 2021? When you're talking about pitchers specifically, we, we have it. We know. We know exactly how many innings they've thrown this year, even, even if they aren't necessarily game innings. Uh, we have kept very meticulous track of how many – sim innings that they have thrown at home or, or wherever they are. Uh, so we are going to have a tally on that. Um, what's not going to be known is, is really how the entire industry uh, is going to be affected by this. And, and more on the, I think more on the position player side uh, with just lack of bats against, you know, professional pitchers in game. Uh, so that, that really is a difficult thing to truly know, but everyone is dealing with it. And, and so, you know, I think that the clubs that have found uh, the best and most creative ways to, to get players work uh, are probably going to see uh, a little advantage in the future. What were some things that you tried to do with players that were not at the alternate site that are, are still considered priority people for the Orioles and then a lot of other minor leaguers as well? What type of things did you put in place to make sure that they are getting work so when they are playing in real baseball games again, they'll be as ready to go as possible? Well, there's been a lot of communication with staff, uh, whether it's strength and conditioning side or skill acquisition side, uh, and just communicating with them on, on the best ways to utilize whatever tools and resources they have uh, at, at their, their homes or wherever they are. Uh, a decent number of players have been able to find other players that are in similar situations and have practiced with them, uh, whether it's pitchers throwing to hitters or, or you know, getting some defensive work in wherever, wherever they live. Some, some players have kind of banded together and created little, little pods that, that are practicing. And so that's, that's been nice to see. But some players haven't had that luxury, so they've had to get really creative to work on their own. You know, so it's just a really wide range of, of things that have been going on. Um, and, then, and then on the more softer side of skills, we've done a lot of work there in terms of education and culture building uh, via Zoom, uh, you know, on a regular basis, whether it's book clubs uh, or team dinners or mental skills courses or, um, you know, 
hot stove meetings, all sorts of things, just to keep players engaged and talking about the game and learning, you know, different aspects of, of, of these areas that, that we want them to improve in. During the course of this, between the draft and the players acquired via trade, the organization has added a ton of new prospects that have had to get introduced to the organization on the fly during this very strange time. How is the organization kind of connected with them all at different points in their development? Pretty exciting, isn't it? I mean, the, the level of talent, the depth of talent uh, has been dramatically improved. I, I think this is something that, you know, Mike Elias and, and that, that team, they do so well. And, and it's really exciting to have this, this new wave of talent coming in. And we uh, welcome them immediately. We get them involved in our Zoom calls right away. We, for all the newly signed players, we had two months of orientation. Uh, twice a week, we were having Zoom calls and uh, educating them or orienting them to our different departments and our different philosophies and, and who everybody is. And we, asked, we had a book club with them as well. And so we've done, we've done a lot of work to bring these players uh, on board so they get to know who we are so that when we do get to meet them in person, we'll hit the ground running. As far as this book club goes, what are a couple of books that you want your players to read and what do you want them to get out of them? Yeah. Well, the first one we read was a book called Mindset. And it's written by Carol Dweck. And it's essentially teaches and explains growth mindset, which you know, in, in player development, we, we have three pillars that, that we really talk about on a daily basis, which is humility, uh, growth mindset, and collaboration. And so growth mindset, we feel, is, is one of the most important things that uh, we should understand. So we read that one first, and then we read Legacy, which is a book about the, uh, the All Blacks, the rugby team in New Zealand, and, and their culture. And I, I think our players really enjoyed that one. It talked a lot about uh, the humility of, of their group and then also uh, how, the, how they collaborate as a team to, to build uh, the culture that they want. And we've actually, we've had a player leadership group that's, that's kind of spun off some pillars of our own on the player side from that book, uh, which has been exciting to see. Uh, we read a book called Ego is the Enemy, which obviously is a book on, on humility. Um, uh, and, and we've read uh, a couple others, one about Nike, uh, just a, a nice story about Phil Knight and, and how he built his, his company. Uh, and then a book called It Takes What It Takes uh, by Trevor Moad, which is uh, about neutral thinking and, and uh, basically how, how, to, how to stay in the proper mindset uh, for your training and in games. Fascinating. Uh, you know, we live in this list-obsessed society, and, and a lot of it, you know, to me in sports, it connects. And I think about all the lists for prospects, top 100, top 200, top 10, top 30 per team. Uh, it's impossible to get away from it. And listen, I'm guilty of it too. I really enjoy looking at that stuff. First of all, are you totally aware where every publication puts your guys and your minor league system, one? And then I'm picturing somewhere in your office, Matt, you have the super duper Orioles prospect list where you're ranking everybody up and down from the Dominican Summer League teams through AAA. And how do you break that down? Uh, is that true? And then how cognizant are you on all the perspectives and lists that are out there? Uh, that's a very interesting question. Um, not that concerned about it, to be honest, what the 
all the publications are saying. I mean, it's, I, I think that's more interesting for for maybe Mike and, and that side of the world to consider for trades and whatnot, maybe. Uh, but on our side, we, we very much have the philosophy of we love the players. We love all of our players. Uh, and we feel like they all have a chance. And so we're going to do everything we can to help every single one of them improve in whatever the, in every way they need to. Uh, we, we really try not to put judgments on players in regards to, you know, what they're going to be in the future. We really want to figure out just how can we help them get better, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's our mindset is a, every single player. We want to figure out a way to help them get better because we feel like, great players, major league players, they come from all over the draft. They come from, you know, everywhere. And and the more that we can help get there, the more value we're going to create and the better the Orioles are, the better the Orioles are ultimately going to be. A lot of great players at the alternate site. A lot of great players that were not at the alternate site just because you can only have so many. But individually, um, this year with Adley Rutschman, how did he become a better player? Adley was one of the ones that probably got the most out of the camp. You know, I would say he and Gunnar Henderson uh, really made noticeable strides, uh, and and they were both uh, leaders in regards to their effort levels and their focus and the work that they put in. Uh, they got a lot of at-bats. They got to spend a lot of time with our hitting coaches, uh, learning – uh, about themselves from the on the the data and technology side you're able to give them some real objective information there um, working specifically with the edgertronic video to see some very um, minute details in their in their swings and in their setups and and then just getting that experience uh, of facing upper level pitching I mean think about a 19 year old Gunnar Henderson facing 25 and 26 year old guys who have pitched in the big leagues or in triple a you know what kind of a shock that was to his system and uh, after a couple of weeks uh, he looked like he he belonged and was right there with those guys and that is that that experience is just invaluable you know so so both of those guys uh really benefited from everything that they saw you know during that time in in Bowie. Everyone who's been at the alternate site, every offensive player keeps talking about the arms that are there. And let's start with the best two pitching prospects, at least according to the publications out there in the system, Grayson Rodriguez and D.L. Hall. Uh, those two just will be connected because I think they were back-to-back first-round picks, and that's the two top pitchers in the organization. Uh, your sense of where those two guys are at? Yeah, they both have electric stuff. Uh, and they both compete, uh, and they both have the makings of, uh, you know, high major league value, value players. You know, they're, they're young. They're still young, so there's still some of that. Uh, you know, a lot of times the difference between a major leaguer and a minor leaguer is just consistency of, of performance. And so for those two, it's just a matter of refining what they have. The, the raw – uh, characteristics that they have to their, we'll call it stuff, is there. I mean, it's major league caliber for sure. Now it's just a matter of let's fine tune it. Let's be able to do it every time out, every time we throw it, and just locate it a little more where we want to. And that's just typical for players their age. 
Uh, so they're, in my opinion, right on track. Uh, you know, another guy that I would say that that's pretty exciting too is um, Bradish, uh, the pitcher that we got in the trade uh, from the Angels. Uh, this is really my first look at him, and wow, was he impressive! Uh, I think he's he's a guy that's maybe a little under the radar uh, for maybe the industry, but not for us. I mean, wow, this this guy was this guy was pretty special to watch every fifth day or so there in Bowie seems like Yusniel Diaz is, is another one. He's, he's special to watch. He's got a lot of talent. I mean, we, we saw him in spring training one, and he had a couple of games where he could do some stuff that was, was eye-popping and, and really stood out to you. How does he become maybe a little more consistent and get to a point where he could possibly be roaming the outfield at Camden Yards? Similar, similar thing. You know, the difference between – a major leaguer and a minor leaguer is that consistency. And for him, it's, it's finding, finding that same level of energy and focus on a daily basis and um, going in there and competing, you know, and, and the thing about him is when the lights come on and the competition level rises, he seems, he seems to do the same, you know, which is, which is exciting, you know, that, to know that, that he's got that, that gear inside of him. And yeah, I mean, the tools that, are, that he possesses, the size, the physicality, uh, everything about him uh, just screams major league producer. So uh, yeah, it's about just finding the right buttons to push to, uh, to make him produce on just a little bit more consistent basis. That next group of, of pitchers that I, I assume will be probably the bulk of Norfolk's rotation next year the uh the Lowther's the Wellses and the Michael Baumans of the world uh how close is that group after you know pitching really well last year in the Eastern League and then having the setback obviously this year with with everything that's going on uh but how how much is that group advanced this year it's hard to say for sure you know without having seen some of those guys uh but I'll say that 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 rotation in in Norfolk next year, you know, could could be exciting one, you know, and, and it it could we start to see a little more depth in this organization on the mound, you know, even especially at, at the starting spot, you know, I think we saw it in the bullpen this year at the major league level, you know, we started to see a little more depth and promise. Uh, we were able to trade some guys, you know, and and still have more available, which is awesome. Uh, but then to see these young starters trickle up to the big leagues and then the ones that are right behind them, like the ones that you just mentioned, and you left out Kyle Bradish, which I think he'll be one too. Um, yeah, I mean, that that whole group uh, is just more more depth and there's more coming behind them too. You know, so it, it's, some, it's something to be excited about, I think, for, for Orioles fans. Last one for me, Matt. 2020 has been a weird year. There was no minor league baseball season. Did a lot of great work at the alternate site. How much do you think you're going to appreciate baseball in hopefully its normal form in 2021? Well, yes, I'm going to appreciate it. I, I've never not appreciated it. It's something I've always appreciated and known that I'm very fortunate to work in this industry and, and get to be outside around baseball players and coaches on a regular basis. But yeah, we're, we're, we're looking forward to that competition and that, you know, being able to see these players night in, night out, 
you know, do what they do. Uh, that's definitely something that, that we've missed uh, and we'll all be thankful for when it comes back. That last one for me, tell me about the collaboration between Mike Elias, Sigma Dell, your group, amateur scouting, obviously all the coaches that answer to you, all the development folks that answer to you, and even connections to the major league roster and how it all flows together as an organization, if it flows. Collaboration is key. You know, and, and in order for a collaboration to happen, like we talked about a minute ago, humility has got to be there. And, and I, I think that's something that uh, is pretty evident amongst our group. Uh, you know, we, we can, you know, Mike Elias is, is the GM, and you go right below him with, with maybe the major league manager. And, and I, I'll say that with Brandon Hyde, he, he has a great um, respect and appreciation for what goes on in the minor leagues. He's lived it. He's been there. And uh, that has been really helpful because he's been very open to working with the minor league side and, and helping us get on the same page uh, with, with, what, with what they want uh, at, at the big league level, even during the season. Like he's been on multiple Zoom calls with us for, for different reasons you know, during the season, uh, working on different aspects of things. And so that right there is proof that, that he is willing and uh, values you know, what we're doing at the um, minor league level. The same with some of the, the staff there. Uh, uh, you know, Tim Cousins will, will call me regularly. Anthony Sanders will, will call me regularly. And, and, and I think they do the same with our staff. So uh, that has been great to see. Uh, and, then, and then in terms of SIG and, and the analytics side, like SIG is involved in everything. Uh, and it's just such a brilliant and an impactful mind, like his, his perspective on things and the questions that he asks and the information that he gives and the way he nudges. And, and he's been involved in, in just about everything that we do. We invite him to book clubs and he'll come to that. We invite him to, um, to, to product demonstrations and he'll come to that. Uh, and and he, he's, he's all, he always has something great to add. And, and you know, in my opinion, like he, he's, one of, he's one of the most important people you know, in this industry for, um, especially for what we're doing. So yeah, and, and all the way down to like Eve, Eve Rosen, Eve Rosenbaum, like she's involved in a lot of the things uh, that we're doing. So I, I would say that collaboration is, is crucial for, for the entire organization. And we're all kind of involved in different things, but we also know kind of where, where we, where our strengths lie. And uh, it's, it's working pretty well right now. Matt Blood, the Orioles farm director, the head of player development. We appreciate it so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's great. And time now for our insider segment. And for the last time this season on Inside the Yard, Melanie Newman joins us right now. And Melanie, let's start with your biggest surprise on this Orioles team in 2020, in your estimation. Oh, there's so many surprises. It's tough. I actually got to talk with Buck Britton about this yesterday, and I, I kind of asked him something along the same lines. As many delights as there's been, I, I still have to go with Cedric Mullins. 
Um, I, I think he's a guy that, you know, he really struggled last year and he kind of saw it a little bit this year, even with spring training and summer camp. And he just had a complete rebirth um, within the organization. He really embraced the ability to go down and work on things where, you know, some guys don't have that luxury for some guys. It's a release and that's it. They have to figure out their next step, but he's flourishing right now. And it's been so exciting to see. Um, I will add though, for going outside of the organization, Cesar Valdez, because, you know, obviously he's a guy that um, we didn't develop fully since the beginning of his career that started over a decade ago, but seeing what he's been able to do this year too and how clutch he's been in some situations where we've needed to save arms. Um, it's been really fun. In terms of new arrivals, so guys that were called up to the major leagues for the first time, who was the most exciting for you to watch? I'm still probably going with Ryan Mountcastle. I, I think as great as these young arms have been, you can still see the definite need for work and growth. And that's nothing against them at all. That's part of the game. That's what happens, especially when you're only facing the top of the AL East talent, which is just perennial uh, powerhouses at this point. So it'll be good to see them. But Mountcastle and his veteran eye that he's developed seemingly – overnight and his ability to read pitches at the plate it's been awesome heading into the offseason melanie because it's always nice to look forward uh to the hot stove season biggest storylines as you see them for michael Elias and company oh i'm really curious what the orioles will do when you start looking at you know the winter deadlines of course there's discussion will winter meetings even happen this year and there's such a huge step in how Major League Baseball shapes up for the next season. You know, that's where everybody is able to be under one roof and really work out some huge deals in person. And we've kind of seen a little bit of what he's done so far. Very curious to see who the rest of our player-to-be-named-laters are, in fact, named. Um, but, you know, it's, it's the will-they-or-won't-they-keep Alex Cobb. Pieces like that that you know have been floating around for over a year now. But as we hopefully start to return to a more normalized uh, functioning here, it'll be curious to see how the trade market reacts and what Mike Elias decides to do with that. I think seeing the young pieces right now and how they've responded positively in such a short season, you've got every reason to continue investing in them. But some of the older guys, there might be room to really say, look, they've increased their value. There's no reason to think that they can't keep this up in 2021. And what can we get back for them? Last one for me, Mel player in the minor leagues that you are most excited to see at Camden Yards? I'm going to be really cliched with this one and just say Adley Rutschman. I, I don't know how you can't be excited to see what he brings to the table. Uh, and it's not a knock on Sebi and Cisco and Holiday, but he just seems like such a complete player, both at the plate and defensively. Um, and, and I think, too, the fact that he's got that youth with the arms, it just makes for a really good chemistry. And, and I feel like that's so much of what can't be taught is the relationship between pitchers and their battery mate. And, and I think he's going to bring something really special as far as a bond with those guys and, and maybe shape into being a personal catcher for several of them to where he is an absolute asset and a guy that you can't skip out of your lineup. Before we let Melanie go, we're going to ask her our fun five questions. And Melanie, just first thing that comes to mind, these are mostly baseball related. All right. Number one, what is your favorite baseball movie? Bull Durham. Number two, your favorite minor league city to go to? Oh, that's so tough. There's so many. Um, 
I'm really, really struggling. El Paso. El Paso. Down in the West in the town called El Paso. <laughs> Who's the most influential baseball person in your life? Vin Scully. Do you have any superstitions before a game or broadcast? I can't use the same pen in my scorebook if we lost using that pen on my book the night before. And any batting average, your best batting average ever? Like that I've seen or? You had Little League, baseball, I've never, softball. I've only swung a bat in a batting cage at 4 o'clock in the morning in Myrtle Beach. I've never had a batting average. How'd you do that day? Um, 15 pitches in, I started making contact. I don't know that anything actually was more than a very, very fieldable bunch. <laughs> one, one special one for me. I'll, I'll end with this. How many times in your life has someone come up to you and said, hello, Newman? Uh, including as recently as five hours ago. And I grew up thinking that people hated me because there was so much disdain said towards my last name. And it wasn't until I finally saw Seinfeld when I got older that I realized it was in fact a reference and not personal hate. <laughs> well, hello, Newman, and goodbye, Newman. <laughs> well, Melanie, it has been a pleasure working with you this year. We will uh, stay in touch, obviously, all off-season long, and, and we can't wait for spring training 2021 in Sarasota, Florida. I'm stoked. It's the three rookies over here, and now we get to actually move into year two. Yeah, they won't haze us next year, I'm told. <laughs> I think they might actually haze us worse because they didn't get to do it this year. <laughs> I might stay off campus then. <laughs> Nothing better than being in a, in a second year after establishing yourself as a rookie. Melanie, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. That's Melanie Newman and Matt Flood, the Orioles Farm Director before Melanie. And Jeff, I think it's going to take years to kind of figure out what this time period in baseball did to each farm system, it will not be equal among the teams. A lot of it's going to be prospect related and a lot of it will be beyond whatever the team did and what people individually were able to do on their own time at home. And then a lot of it will be on these teams and how they connected to each player, whether they were in the alternate site or not, what these players do in the off season, whether or not the instructional leagues yet going and what that will be like. There's so many variables in play. It's going to take years to figure out who did well during this and who didn't? Years. I think it's going to take years. Who got really set back? And, you know, what will it look like next year with pitchers and hitters? Uh, will we see more injuries with minor league pitchers next year and position players who didn't play this season? So there's a lot of unknowns, and it will take a long time before we sort it all out. Yeah, there's going to be a, a long recalibration period as far as development goes with players not being able to play in games. And there have been guys that get together and, and Matt talked about it a little bit. Maybe if a player lives near some other professional players or in the same exact situation, they can find a way to do some live BPs and maybe some kind of simulated type games, something like that. But it's not something that you can really monitor if they're not at the alternate site. And I think so much of this process, as far as player development begins with the individuals. And that's why when he mentions you know, things like a book club or whatever, 
you know, some people might scoff at that a little bit, be like, you know, there are important lessons that they're gaining from here, from working with the different mental skills coaches, from having those pillars in place and, you know, being humble and also being accountable for your own work. And I think that is what it's going to come down to. And I think to a degree, that's what I think actually to more than a degree, I think a lot of it came down to with the Orioles success at the major league level this year, it was individual accountability. So you have, Doug Brocale talking about how they were staying on their pitchers and how much they were telling them, Hey, we need you to do this and this and this. And you know, the, the people in player development for the Orioles are doing the same exact thing with players that are not at the alternate site. But at the end of the day, it still comes down to what are you doing to get better? What are you doing to improve? What are you going to be doing, which is going to take what 2020 is and make it so that you are as close to where you need to be in 2021 as possible. And that all really starts with the individual. I think that's how you're going to determine which organizations are in the best shape. It's not just about the work that's done at the alternate site because you only had so many players there. But for everyone else, it's how hard did you work on your own? And we'll find out the answer in 2021. And so will every other team across baseball. All right, that does it for this edition of Inside the Yard. A big thank you to our team and our guests. And we'll have Brandon Hyde and Rockabaco on in our final episode for this regular season. So thank you so much for being with us. Enjoy the baseball this weekend while it's here. And we'll talk next time. Be safe. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.